Hello and welcome back to the Flathead Beacon Podcast. I'm Andy Viano. On this week's show, you'll meet one of five Flathead Valley residents we profiled for the October 21st issue of the Beacon as they shared their experiences with COVID-19. Those five comprised our pandemic portraits, four of whom suffered from COVID-19 personally, and another who has witnessed the effects of the virus up close as a nurse in Kalispell Regional Medical Center's COVID unit. For today's show, I caught up with Mark Dennehy, an assistant principal and the activities director at Glacier High School in Kalispell, who contracted the coronavirus along with his family this summer. In the pages of The Beacon and on our website at flatheadbeacon.com, you can read about all the COVID-19 stories, from the nurse to a teacher, cop, and software engineer, who tell us not only what the symptoms of COVID-19 are like, but also the mental toll contracting the virus can take. And I get into both of those subjects with Mark Dennehy, who you'll hear from momentarily. But first, a reminder that this podcast and all of the reporting we do with the Flathead Beacon is made possible by members of the Beacon Editors Club. For as little as $5 per month, Editors Club members provide us the resources to dig deep into the stories that matter to you most and to continue to offer that reporting in print and online for free. No paywalls and no subscriptions required. To learn more about the Editors Club or to sign up today, visit beaconeditorsclub.com. All right, time now to get to Glacier High Activities Director Mark Dennehy, who I spoke with on Tuesday while he was in Bozeman, watching the Wolfpack girls' soccer team advance to the state championship match. This conversation, though, was with Mark Dennehy, COVID-19 survivor and one of five pandemic portraits in this week's Beacon. Well, Mark, thank you very much for taking a few minutes to chat with me today. I know uh, this is a busy time of the year on the sports calendar, um, but let's back up a few months and go back to this summer. Uh, as Micah Drew wrote about in this week's Beacon, you and your family had an experience with COVID-19. When did uh, you first receive those diagnoses, and what can you tell us about, uh, as you understand it, how that all happened? Yeah, you bet. Um, my wife uh, wasn't feeling very well towards the end of July, and uh, actually went in and got a test and uh, a day later then got the results and she was positive. And uh, at that time, I thought I was just going to be a close contact and quarantine. But um, actually, later on that evening, then I fell ill. Then my son fell ill. And then uh, my son actually went and got a test. His test came back positive. I never tested. Um, however, I was sick, probably sicker than any of them, uh, either my wife or my son. So we were all sick for a good over a week, probably seven, eight days of uh, not feeling very well, that's for sure. Yeah. When when you say sick, I guess, how, how can you describe some of the symptoms and, and sort of how the virus ran its course and, and how severe sure. uh, some of the symptoms were? Sure. You know, had very little energy, and that was particularly after, you know, noon. Had little or no energy, did a lot of sleeping, and then uh, had a ton of body aches. Um, just body aches never, ever left. It's kind of interesting. You you know, you'd go to bed, and 
and I'd, I'd, uh, I'd spike a fever and then felt pretty good or okay in the mornings. And then as that morning wore on around noon, then you just wouldn't feel very good. You, you knew it was not uh, gone. So kind of just went through that cycle for a number of days, um, probably about five or six days in. I felt horrible. I mean, just terrible. Just did not, you know, had no energy probably about five or six days in where I did really nothing. So, but then came out of it probably day seven or eight. And, uh, you know, I usually work out uh, almost every day and took me about three weeks to get back into the swing of things and uh, feel good enough to work out. And, uh, and then uh, got back and, you know, felt okay. And uh, probably took over, probably took close to a month to get, my stamina fully back and uh, kind of where we're at. Is there any fear involved? And maybe that's not exactly the right word, but being as unknown as this is and, and knowing that, you know, people have people have died and, and you may not fall into that high risk category necessarily. But was there a uh, a level of fear greater than, you know, when you run a temperature and, and say have something like the flu? Sure. You know, I, we, uh, I have an Apple watch and I, you know, I tend to, uh, just track my resting heart rate and from time to time, well, during this, you could, you, you felt a little uneasy. So then you take a look at the old heart rate and it was up another 25 beats per minute. And some of that, you don't know if it's anxiety or, or what, but, yeah, that was a little concerning. You know, I think when you see those numbers and being a person that looks at his watch when he works out and has an idea of what their maximum heart rate is, you know, I was nowhere near a maximum, but uh, it was certainly up. And uh, that concerns you. So just happy to be over with it, that's for sure. Yeah. I want to go back in time a little bit. I mean, I think what what is is particularly interesting about your case is is back in July is kind of when it felt like Flathead County had this thing under control and, and we were getting very few cases back in those days and and you know had had very few people hospitalized or or, or die. I mean, it, it, before you contracted COVID nineteen, how careful? And I'm not I'm not trying to be accusatory, but I mean, how careful were you being? How how Seriously, did you take the threat before you got sick? You know, um, pretty darn careful. We were, you know, at school all the time. Um, we were doing temperature checks on our athletes and going through all the questions and sanitizing hands and so forth. So uh, certainly was doing all of those types of things. And I was actually building, you know, I had a building project that I was working on this summer at the house. And, you know, I'd wear a mask even when masks were not required uh, to Home Depot or Lowe's. You know, I, I put it on and it wasn't, wasn't, uh, I wasn't necessarily doing it for me. I just like, uh, think it's the right thing to do. And I wore the mask. And so, yeah, I, I think uh, we were taking it quite seriously. You know, we, you know, we had any gathering we had, it was just more family than anything, you know, didn't go out and about, you know, and, uh, do a variety of things. So yeah, we were, we were taking it pretty care, you know, pretty seriously. And my wife was always wearing a mask at work and, and, 
and she ended up getting it. So unfortunately. Yeah. How, how did it strike you then that you were doing all the right things and, and maybe in some ways above and beyond what was recommended and, and you still got it? <laughs> I think it just leads you to believe how contagious the, the virus is and, and how it can hit. You know, it just, you just don't know. Um, in fact, like my son, he was, he was around us very little and, um, had got it. So you just, you just look at that and it, uh, breathes a little bit of concern into, into your system. That's for sure. I appreciate the time again. I'll, I'll let you go after, uh, after this question, but, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about your, role as a school administrator i mean what what did you take from your experience that you were able to to either share with your staff or or make recommendations for for the school or staff i I guess what what did you learn from what you went through that that you were able to impart on uh, on the people at glacier high school well i think a couple things you know i just shared that it's going to hit all of us or in some way some form whether someone we know um, or a family member or um, someone, you know, or you may be sick yourself. Uh, and I imparted that, you know, we got to try to take care of our, our kids and, and our, our staff members best we can and be careful, but also to treat them well. You know, there's a little bit of what I would call COVID shaming. You know, when you have the the virus, there's a, you know, you're, some people view you as a little bit of a leper. <laughs> and I, I just said, you know, got to be careful there. And, uh, you know, in fact, one of my family members treated me that way. And, it, you know, it wasn't, uh, wasn't the best feeling. And, and so I shared that with them and just talked to them that it's, it's something that's out there and they're going to have to deal with it carefully. And, and, uh, and be careful how how they're you know treating others and then being careful uh, with the virus itself. Well, Mark, glad to hear that uh, you've taken some out of this and, and that you're feeling better and your family is as well and, and really appreciate you uh, taking the time to share your story. You bet. Thanks, Andy. Be sure to check out Micah Drew's profile of Mark Dennehy in this week's Beacon or you can read it now at flatheadbeacon.com along with the other four pandemic portraits our staff put together, something we hope can put names and faces to a story that has directly impacted thousands of people in the Flathead Valley. And now, here are the biggest stories from the last seven days as of 9 p.m. on Tuesday, October 20th. Speaking of the pandemic, COVID-19 was once again in the news all last week, beginning with a contentious Flathead City County Board of Health meeting held on Thursday, October 15th. In last week's podcast, I told you about recommendations the health department made to slow the spread of the virus, including limiting the size of allowable gatherings, mandating that bars, restaurants, and churches operate at reduced capacity, and closing restaurants and bars by 10 p.m., But the Board of Health declined to enact any of those measures, citing potential legal challenges and a desire to allow members of the public to make their own decisions on how to stay safe. The Board's decision was made against the advice of not only the Health Department and Public Health Officer Tamalee St. James Robinson, but also came minutes after the CEO of Kalispell Regional Healthcare, a KRH infectious disease expert, 
and the Kalispell Public Schools superintendent all warned of dire consequences if the spread of the virus was not contained. Dr. Peter Habor, one of three dissenting voices on the Board of Health, said before the measures were voted down that, quote, people are going to die if the county's fast-growing outbreak is not controlled. As of October 20th, 1,376 new coronavirus cases had been discovered in Flathead County this month alone, and 19 people were hospitalized. In other coronavirus news, the families of three people who died at Whitefish Care and Rehabilitation during an outbreak that swept through that building in August and September have sued the long-term care facility and its executive director for negligence and wrongful death. Roger Sullivan, an attorney for the plaintiffs, told The Beacon that the suit alleges behavior that is, quote, negligent and a violation of their fundamental right to be treated with human dignity. Thirteen deaths from COVID-19 have been connected to Whitefish Care and Rehab, and the beleaguered facility was cited by governmental agencies for numerous compliance problems dating back as early as May of this year and continuing through the outbreak. Those problems include a failure to implement CDC recommendations to prepare for COVID-19 or correct a number of shortcomings once they were identified. You can read more about all the charges against Whitefish Care and Rehab at flatheadbeacon.com, and I'll link to those stories in the show notes. Elsewhere, a new water quality standard aimed at protecting Lincoln County's waters from contaminants related to Canadian mining operations cleared a major legislative hurdle last week over the objections of Republican state lawmakers. Mike Cuff and Steve Gunderson, who represent Eureka and Libby respectively, called the end of the six-year process to create standards for Lake Kukunusa and the Kootenai River, quote, rushed, a characterization that was rejected by a number of other stakeholders, including scientists, tribal leaders, business leaders, conservationists, regulators, and others. The measures are designed to monitor the pollutant selenium, which has been crossing the international border from British Columbia for years and threatens aquatic life here. High levels of selenium have already been discovered in Lake Kukunusa and traced back to mining operations in British Columbia's Elk Valley, owned by Tech Resources. And finally, Glacier National Park's most famous thoroughfare is closed for 2020 after a blast of cold and snow arrived last week. Going to the Sun Road was shut temporarily on October 9th, and five days later, park officials cut off access to the alpine parts of the roadway until 2021. Visitors can still drive the first 15-plus miles of Sun Road from the west entrance to Avalanche Creek. Going to the Sun Road operated as a one-way-in, one-way-out road this year, with drivers turned around at Rising Sun because of a COVID-19 visitor restriction on the Blackfeet Indian Reservation. That's all for this week's show. Remember to subscribe to this podcast by searching for Flathead Beacon wherever you're listening now and leave us a rating and review if you're enjoying the show. And don't forget, you can read all the latest news, including the stories we've talked about today, for free at flatheadbeacon.com. Until next week, thanks for listening. <laughs>